Chapter Four of Opening a Chestnut Burr by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Four: How Miss Walton Managed People. Rest and the sunny light and bracing air of the following morning banished much of Gregory's moodiness, and he descended the stairs, proposing to dismiss painful thoughts and get what comfort and semblance of enjoyment he could out of the passing hours. Mr. Walton met him cordially, indeed, with almost fatherly solicitude, and led him at once to the dining-room, where an inviting breakfast awaited them. Miss Walton also was genial, and introduced Miss Eulalia Morton, a maiden sister of her mother. Miss Eulie, as she was familiarly called, was a pale, delicate little lady, with a face sweetened rather than hardened and embittered by time if as some believe the flesh and the spirit the soul and the body are ever at variance she gave the impression at first glance that the body was getting the worst of the conflict but in truth the faintest thoughts of strife seemed to have no association with her whatever she appeared so light and aerial that one could imagine her flying over the rough places of life and vanishing when any one opposed her miss walton reversed all this for she was decidedly substantial she was of only medium height, but a fine figure made her appear taller than she was. She immediately gave the impression of power and reserve force. You felt this in her quick elastic step, saw it in her decided though not abrupt movements, and heard it in her tone. Even the nonchalant Mr. Gregory could not ignore her in his customary polite manner, though quiet refinement and peculiar unobtrusiveness seemed her characteristics. She won attention not because she sought it, nor on the ground of eccentricities, but because of her intense vitality. From her dark eyes a close observer might catch glimpses of a quick active mind, an eager spirit, and, well, perhaps a passionate temper. Though chastened and subdued, she ever gave the impression of power to those who came to know her well. In certain ways, as they interpreted her, people acknowledged this force of character. Some spoke of her as very lively, others as exceedingly energetic and willing to enter on any good work some thought her ambitious else why was she so prominent in church matters and so ready to visit the sick and poor they could explain this in but one way and some looked knowingly at each other and said i wonder if she is always as smiling and sweet as when in society and then followed shaking of heads which intimated look out for sudden gusts again as in simple morning wrapper she turned to greet gregory she gave him the impression of something like beauty but his taste rendered critical by much observation both at home and abroad at once told him that he was mistaken the expression is well enough he thought but she has not a single perfect feature not one that an artist would copy except perhaps the eyes and even they are not soft and madonna-like he had a sybarite's eye for beauty and an intense admiration for it at the same time he was too intellectual to be satisfied with the mere sensuous type and yet when he decided that a woman was not pretty she ceased to interest him his exacting taste required no small degree of outward perfection crowned by ready wit and society polish with those so endowed he had frequently amused himself in new york and paris by a passing flirtation since the politic miss bentley had made him a skeptic in regard to women all his intercourse with society had confirmed his cynicism the most beautiful and brilliant in the drawing-rooms were seldom the best he flattered them to their faces and sneered at them in his heart therefore his attentions were merely of a nature to excite their vanity 
stimulated by much incense from other sources. He saw this plainly manifested trait, which he contributed to develop and despise it. He also saw that many were as eager for a good match as ever the adored Miss Bentley had been, and that, while they liked his compliments, they cared not for him. Why should they? Insincere and selfish himself, why should he expect to awaken better feelings on the part of those who were anything but unsophisticated, and from knowledge of the world could gauge him at his true worth? Not even a sentimental girl would show her heart to such a man, and yet, with the blind egotism of selfishness, he smiled grimly at their apparent heartlessness and said, Such is woman. At the same time, it must in justice be said that he despised men in general quite as sincerely. Human nature is wretched stuff, had come to be the first article in his creed. In regard to Miss Walton, he concluded, she is a goodish girl more of a lady than the average pious and orthodox an excellent housekeeper and a great comfort to her father no doubt she is safe from her very plainness though confident of course that she could resist temptation and be a saint under all circumstances and he dismissed her from his mind with a sort of inward groan and protest against the necessity of making himself agreeable to her during his visit he did not think it worth while to disguise his face as he made these brief critical observations, and quick-witted Annie gathered something of the drift of his thoughts, as she stole a few glances at him from behind the coffee urn. It piqued her pride a little, and she was disappointed in him, for she had hoped for a pleasant addition to their society for a time. But she was so supremely indifferent to him, and had so much to fill her thoughts and days, that his slight promise to prove an agreeable visitor caused but momentary annoyance yet the glimmer of a smile flitted across her face as she thought he may find himself slightly mistaken in me after all his face seems to say no doubt she is a good young woman and well enough for this slow country place but she has no beauty no style i think i can manage to disturb the even current of his vanity if his visit is long enough and he shall learn at least that i shall not gape admiringly at his artificial metropolitan airs her manner toward Gregory remained full of kindness and grace, but she made no effort to secure his attention and engage him in conversation as he had feared she would do. She acted as if she were accustomed to see such persons as himself at her father's breakfast-table every morning, and though habitually wrapped up in his own personality, he soon became dimly conscious that her course toward him was not what he had expected. Miss Eulie was all solicitude in view of his character of invalid, and the children looked at him with curious eyes and growing disapprobation. There was nothing in him to secure their instinctive friendship, and he made no effort to win their sympathies. The morning meal began with a reverent looking to heaven for God's blessings on the gifts which were acknowledged as coming from him, and even Gregory was compelled to admit that the brief rite did not appear like a careless signing of the cross, or a shriveled form from which spirit and meaning had departed but a sincere expression of loving trust and gratitude. During the greater part of the meal, Mr. Walton dwelt on the circumstances that had led to his friendship with Gregory's father, but at last the conversation flagged a little since the young man made so slight effort to maintain it. Suddenly Mr. Walton turned to his daughter and said, By the way, Annie, you have not told me where you found Mr. Gregory, for my impression is that you brought him down from the hills. I was about to say that I found him in a chestnut burr, replied Annie with a twinkle in her eye. At least I found a stranger by the cedar thicket, and he proved from a chestnut burr who he was, and his right to acquaintance, with a better logic than I supposed him capable of. 
indeed asked gregory quickly feeling the prick of her last words on what grounds were you led to estimate my logic so slightingly on merely general grounds but you see i am open to all evidence in your favor city life no doubt has great advantages but it also has greater drawbacks what are they i cannot think of them all now suffice it to say that if you had always lived in the city you could not have interpreted a chestnut burr so gracefully many there seem to forget nature's lore but may they not learn other things more valuable miss walton shook her head and said with a laugh an ignorant exhorter once stated to his little schoolhouse audience that paul was brought up at the foot of the hill gamaliel i almost wish he were right for i should have had more confidence in the teachings of the hill than in those of the narrow-minded jewish rabbi and yet you regard paul as the very chief of the apostles he became such after he was taught of him who teaches through the hills and nature generally my daughter is an enthusiast for nature remarked mr walton if the people are the same as when i was here a boy the hills have not taught the majority very much said gregory with a french shrug many of them have a better wisdom than you think answered annie quietly in what does it consist well for one thing they know how to enjoy life and add to the enjoyment of others gregory looked at her keenly for a moment but saw nothing to lead him to think that she was speaking on other than general principles but he said a little moodily as they rose from the table that is certainly a better wisdom than is usually attained in either city or country it is not our custom to make company of our friends said mr walton cordially we hope you will feel completely at home and come and go as you like and do just what you find agreeable we dine at two and have an early supper on account of the children there are one or two fair saddle horses on the place but if you do not feel strong enough to ride annie can drive you out and i assure you she is at home in the management of a horse yes indeed echoed the little boy auntie annie can manage anything or anybody that is a remarkable power said gregory with an amused look and a side glance at the young girl how does she do it oh i don't know replied the boy she makes them love her and then they want to do as she says a momentary wrathful gleam shot from annie's eyes at her indiscreet little champion but with heightened color she joined in the laugh that followed gregory had the ill grace to say with a sort of mocking gallantry as he bowed himself out it must be delightful to be managed on such terms. End of chapter 4